Rise and shine! Welcome to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Oh my god, you guys. Editing Connie here. I was so disoriented from Jimmy's singing, I realized I didn't even say the introduction right. It's rise and shine, bitches. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. So, for the record, that's what I'm adding in today. <laughs> that was my humming boyfriend and co-host of the and introduction. Jimmy Welcome back to another episode. I am literally so excited for you guys to hear this episode because you know why? This week's episode was purely based off of need. Okay, Ellie, Ellie agrees. <laughs> she literally was like running up to the microphone and squeaking it, trying to get it in. What I was saying was this episode I made because it's what I needed to hear. Okay, sometimes I need to tell you guys what I need to hear. And this is my like sad little way of processing things in life. So um, my licensure exam is in two weeks. And if you can't tell from my voice, um, I'm a little nervous. Uh, not all the time. I go through these waves of being like fine with it. And then all of a sudden I'm nervous. Um, but this morning I was in one of my nervous states when I started like trying to deep dive and research about how to actually perform under pressure. I was like, there's got to be a TED talk, a Google article, like a podcast about this. <laughs> Jimmy's shaking his head. He knows the situation all too well. I start like touching my eyebrows a little too fervently. A little twitchy. I'm all twitchy. Um, so anyways, what I did was I did this deep dive and I learned so much today. I listened to like three podcasts. I read like three articles. I watched a TED talk. I learned so much from this was the interesting part. I learned from a uh, it's called a peak performance expert, I think, like a sports performance person oh. and then also um, like a cognitive scientist. So I just thought it was really interesting. I'm excited to go into it. But Jimmy's getting a little bored of me describing this. So, yeah, first wait. things first, let's get into what? You're excited about that. But guys, I bought a PlayStation 5. All right. How exciting. All right. For all any... the boyfriends are going to be jealous. So, for any boyfriends out there, I hope you guys are all jealous. Um, Jimmy finally got the PlayStation 5, what, like two years after it came out? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, not a lot of people have it. Chip shortage and everything. Yes, chip shortage. I'm, I'm very happy for you. Um, so, anyways. I'm proud of it. Without further ado, let's get into Hot Girl Huddle. Hit it, editing Connie. Ha. You guys, I thought it was so funny. <laughs> While I was inserting in the like little side music, I was discussing with Jimmy. I was like, it's so hard for me to like cut you off when you're singing my little theme song because like I don't know when to cut you. Like I don't want to be rude and interrupt <laughs> you humming. And but I was like, there's no good time to stop you. And he was like, I want to keep trying and giving you like multiple takes of the of the little theme song. I just thought it was funny. Anyways, here's a bass heavy version. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Anyways, where was I? First things first, we have our healthcare horoscope. Picking the tarot card of the week. Did I pick last week? I think I picked last week. So, the card for this week. (laughs) Ellie's squeaky toy is like a main character on this episode. Like, on this podcast, honestly. Um, She just, like, can't help but pick up her squeakiest of toys. I think she, like, literally... Only during the recording. I think she gets confused because, like, she sees you and I talking into this mic. So then she's like, oh, like, I should bring something to the table. So then she, like, walks up with her squeaky toy and squeaks it right in front of us. Okay, anyways, the card of the week for August 1st is... Okay, the Page of Swords upside down. I'm not really 
really sure if I'm pulling this the right way because this I keep pulling upside down cards and I'm kind of like, is this because of how I keep the cards? She won't even let me shuffle or touch the cards anymore. Okay, I'm just going to read the description for this. Um, and if it's bad, maybe next week I'm going to do more research on how to actually pull these cards. Maybe you because should let me pull it. I don't know if that's going to help it. So let's see. Page of Swords upside down. Page of Swords reversed. Self-expression. I like that. All talk and no action. Um, haphazard action and haste. Okay. Uh, let me see. Page of Swords reversed. Although I'm not sure if I... I feel like I... Wait. I feel like... Wait. Let me mimic pulling the card. If something was like this... No, then me doing this... Oh, wait. Then it what? Wait. No. It's... No. No, it was like... It was like... It was like this... And then we, I pulled it like are this. Are we recording while you're talking about this? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, wait, you guys. I think this was upright. Okay. I don't think it was upright. I no, think I think it cheated. was because... No, no, look, look. This is what I did. Look at my wrist. Yeah. This is how yeah. it was. And this is how I pulled it up. I literally reversed it. Okay, I have no idea what you did, but I don't know if that counts. No, it does. Okay. <laughs> you're cherry picking at best right I don't now. care. This is my podcast and I, I need this to be a good week. I... Page of Swords, alright! New ideas, curiosity, thirst for knowledge, and new ways of communicating. So, Page of Swords, upright. Okay, Page of Swords is full of energy, passion, and enthusiasm. See, I picked a good one. <laughs> when this card shows up in a tarot reading, you are bursting with new ideas and plans for the future. You may be excited about starting a new project, pursuing a new approach, or learning something new. You have so much energy that you feel as though you can do almost anything. The challenge is whether or not you can keep it up. Uh, the Page of Swords often emerges when you're exploring a new way of thinking, like a new idea, a new perspective, new knowledge. Okay, just out of curiosity, let me read the reverse one because now I'm really doubting myself. Um, let's see. The Page of Swords reverse can appear in tarot readings when you are holding back from expressing your truth, especially in a public forum like this one. At times, the reverse Page of Swords can mean that you are all talk and no action. Be careful about making promises you know you cannot keep or say things you'll later regret. Before making a commitment, make sure that you can. So there was two, <laughs> two readings. You got, you know what? Lucky you guys. You guys got two readings for the price of one this week. You oh. are welcome. You're welcome. Anyways, um, you let's did them move a on. Favor. I did do them a favor. Anyways, let's move on to I asked, you answered, and then we discussed. Alrighty, guys. This week for I Asked You Answered, I asked you guys, a couple weeks ago, I asked you guys, what are things that are overhyped for no reason? And this week, I asked you guys, what things get the appropriate amount of hype? Like, what is actually, like, hype-worthy? Um, this first one, I thought this was funny. Someone said in all capital letters, bidets. Have you tried a bidet before? Oh, yeah. You have? Yeah. Do you think they're worth the hype? Yeah, I tried it at your parents' house. Oh, that's right. My parents do have one, but I'm too scared to use it. I don't know. It kind of... Oh, I, I could only use it when your parents aren't home. <laughs> um, so you... Do you, like, want one in our future house? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Like, we could just get the kind that, like, attaches to the toilet. That, like, we don't need, like, a separate one. Okay. Um, this is... You would, you would agree with this. Someone said emotional support water bottles. I agree. You guys, I'm going on the record. I got a Stanley this past weekend. I didn't get the 40-ounce one. I got the 30-ounce one. Um, it's incredible. The ice really kept overnight. Um, ice provided <laughs> emotional support for two people. For both of us. I, I do have to make sure that Jimmy, like, is like drinks it when he's, like, 
clean it doesn't have too many crumbs because i'm like worried about getting crumbs or hair in the in the straw part um but for the most part jimmy's been pretty good about sharing this yeah, i don't want to get my mustache in the stanley yeah and i don't know it's the vacuum seal is so nice it makes sure that there's no spills i can put it in my backpack and it doesn't leak if i like tightly screw it on today i accidentally didn't and it kind of leaked a little but that was my fault it was user error um but i just felt like it was like really good i don't know i just it's, it's just so icy sometimes it's almost too cold i'm like Whoa, i forgot i had ice in this it like shocks my teeth <laughs> Um, the wow. other day, Jimmy caught me. I was saying to the water bottle, I was like, I almost wish it wouldn't work so hard. Like, I want it to conserve its energy and not make, not keep the water too cold. Because, like, I don't need it this cold. I needed it. I just need it kind of cold. I don't know. Um, anyways, another thing. Oh, wait, Jimmy, we need to try these. Someone said cotton candy grapes from Trader Joe's. Have you tried a cotton candy grape? No. I don't know if I would like it. I don't, I don't think I like cotton candy. Um, is it a grape or is it it's cotton a grape. candy? No, it's a grape that tastes like cotton candy. Isn't that cool? Kind of, but kind of disturbing. I, we'll you, give it a try yeah. for you. Grapes listener. are one of the fruits that Jimmy really likes, so I support this yeah. recommendation. I like moon grapes. What's a moon weird. grape? Oh, they have those at uh, Trader Joe's too. They're like longer. They're like, they kind of look like tiny eggplants. Oh, I feel like I have seen those. Do they taste different from normal grapes? Not like too, too different, but like they're different looking. Oh, that's cool. How do you know more about a fruit than I do? This I feels like a... Someone gave me one. one <laughs> this time. feels like unnatural. Um, someone else... This is funny. Someone said continuing education, LOL. <laughs> I guess it's it's worth the hype. I don't know if it's worth the hype. Okay, you guys, I've noticed a difference in professions. I feel like I'm one of the few people that can genuinely have an opinion on this. CEs in dentistry, I feel like, are game-changing because you learn so many, like, procedural skills in dental school that you don't necessarily, like, keep up with and, like, you need the refresher, like, the CE. Pharmacy, I... I okay, I attended one CE in my life. It was about, like, cannabis or something. Um, I don't think it was that helpful for me. I feel like... Um, yeah, I think, like, not necessarily less helpful. Like, I think they're, they tend to be a lot more niche. Maybe. Uh, like, I feel like if you're presenting a CE, it has to be on a pretty obscure topic in pharmacy. Whereas, like, it seems like CE for dentists is actually more like, oh, here, we're going to actually, like, help you better your practice. So yeah. I think pharmacy CE needs to step it up. No, I feel like, oh, my God, Ellie is freaking out right now. It's the Zoomies. You guys are hearing the Zoomies live. So, you know what's funny? is like a normal podcaster would be like, would be like, I'm never recording like this again. And yet, week after week, I choose to record under this state. And I actually welcome it, which is kind of funny. Um, she just can't help but... It's like kind of cute. buck wild every time we record. And I feel like you guys are now part of my family because you're learning about like my child. But anyways, okay, this is the difference. I feel like with CEs and pharmacy, I kind of feel like there is something that you kind of just have to do to, like, keep your license, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas in dentistry, I feel like you're lucky if you can get a CE. Like, editing Connie here. I realize I should clarify, not all dental CEs are obviously, like, this amazing. But there's a few, like, well-known dental CEs that are supposed to be, like, really good game changers, full of information, not sponsored stuff. And I feel like that's what I meant by, like, there's a couple that are, like, just so good. But a lot of them are also just sponsored by, like, companies. So I don't want to make it seem like, like, 
dental CEs are all like that much better. You're paying thousands of dollars and you, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you want to get some CEs for your license, whatever. But I feel like with dentistry, there's more of an attitude like I'm doing this so I can do more procedures in-house so that way I can like be better at this and like make more money. <laughs> yeah, it's about the money. I guess maybe that's I'm the difference. rolling my eyes at these other things she's saying. No, I really think that that's no, like I, how I, I see it. No, I know you want to better yourself as well, but like. Yeah. You just sound so idealistic. Wait, interesting. Someone said... Wait, let me look at these. You never okay, let me here, look. Okay, here. Here, look. Air fryers. Ooh, weighted blankets. We should totally get a weighted blanket, Jimmy. Mm. Do you know what half of these things are? These are, like, girly things. Jimmy's like, what's a Laneige lip mask? <laughs> oh, that's... That I've was been, pretty helpful. I've been into the iPad uh, recently. <gasps> Ooh, someone said acai bowls. Okay, let me just say, no, I think places are learning how to make better acai bowls. Because when acai bowls first came to, like, the East Coast in, like, 2016, 2017, places did not know how to do them. I went to this, like, one coffee shop in Rhode Island, and it was literally, like, so bad. Like, I'm not going to say where it was because I don't want to vandalize, like, their, um, wait, is, is vandalize the right word? I Slander. Oh, yes. I don't want to slander and disparage their business, but they had such a bad acai bowl, and I literally didn't even know what to expect. I just knew it was bad. Since then, I've had really good ones in Hawaii, obviously. Maybe I'm a bit of a snob, but nowadays, I feel like most places I go have, like, pretty decent ones. Like, I think the acai bowls of the United States are learning. Okay, Melissa, I, I feel like we have to give a shout out to Melissa. Melissa said pop sockets. It's a phone stand. It's a fidget. It keeps me from dropping my phone all the time. I haven't thought about a pop socket in so long. This is so true. I, I need to get yeah. a pop socket. Shout out cousin Melissa. Yes, it's Jimmy's cousin. Hi, Melissa. Anyways, I think this is a good note to end. I asked, you answered, and then we discussed on. Now let's get into spit talk. Alrighty, you guys. Um, this week for Spit Talk, I kind of discussed it already. I'm just practicing for my licensure exams, seeing patients. Oh, you guys, I have like a funny story to share with you guys. So for Spit Talk this week, this is my segment. Um, PSA, I don't know why this needs to be said, but just in case. <laughs> so the other day, this is just such an embarrassing thing. The other day I was working with uh, a male resident. He was like, you know, kind of like young. Um, and then for some reason, I feel so stupid. I don't even remember why I did this. This happened multiple times. I don't remember why I did this. But when he came into the room, normally I like am like, oh, here, let me hand you some gloves. What size would you like? For some reason with this one resident, I was like, oh, you're like, what? Like a medium, right? Or like a small or something. And he was like, large. And for some reason, like me, uh, misjudging his glove size was just like really embarrassing. So just like don't do it because I'm pretty sure I did it actually twice, not even twice in one day, twice with the same person, like weeks apart. He was probably like, why do people always think I have small hands? Um, but yeah, anyways, that was just like an embarrassing thing that I could have spared myself of. I'm so glad you gave this guy a complex. I know. I think I did. Now I'm like, I don't like, know. I don't want him to think that I think he has small hands, but like, why did I think that? He went home to his wife and was just like... No, he probably doesn't have a wife. Yeah, his hands are too small to have a wife. <laughs> I just feel like... Listen, it's not like me to just assume someone's hand size. Normally, I'm just like, here, want some gloves? I'll hand them to you. What size do you want? I don't know why I felt so, like, bold. Both times I worked with him, sep two separate occasions, weeks apart, yeah, for me to be like... Okay, Rex Arms. Your dainty little hands like why did i assume i don't know it's just so embarrassing like it keeps me up sometimes that's all i have this week for spit talk 
Do you have uh, anything else you want to share, Jimmy? Yeah, well, Connie and I went to the antique store. We saw some spooky stuff. Yeah. Um, the antique store? So I think I found my new favorite thing ever. And it plays into my slight hoarding make, tendencies. Making me <laughs> stand in a hot antique store for hours? Is That's that my hobby. hobby. Is making Jimmy stand in a hot room for hours. Um, no, antiquing is just so much fun. It's like the thrill of thrifting. But like... This was, like, less about clothes and stuff, and it was more with, like, decor. So I got to imagine all the, the decor pieces. So first, we got this really cool Vogue magazine cover from... That you're scared of. Slightly scared. Um, <laughs> it's a Vogue magazine cover from 1927. It's really pretty, really cute. It's very, like, chic purple. It has this woman on the cover, though, and at first in the store, I was like, oh, cool. But then now that it's in our home, uh, it kind of scares me. It reminds me of in Friends... Do you remember when Phoebe made that artwork that like comes out of the painting? Oh yeah. <laughs> she kind of reminds me a little about that, a little bit about that, yeah. and like I'm afraid to look at her for too long because I'm afraid she's gonna like open her eyes. Um. So, anyways, I got the Vogue 1927 cover framed. It looks really cool. I got this really cool like, uh, zebra print unique, um, mortar and pestle. I thought it was fitting and cool decor for us pharmacists. And then I got this really pretty rose marble bowl. And that probably could have come from like a Marshalls or a Crate and Barrel, but because it was antique, I had to get it, and I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Anyways, I think that's all I have this week for Spit Talk. This main episode is a really good one, which is why I want to get into it. Uh, so basically, I was inspired, like I said, by my need. So yeah. Anyways, mm-hmm. this week's episode is all about how to perform under pressure. How our mind works under pressure, why sometimes we choke under pressure, and how to not choke. Um, These are some good, really practical, helpful tips on things to do the weeks, days, and day of, uh, well, weeks, days before, and day of your big event. So anyways, um, without further ado, also please leave a review if you like what you heard. And yeah, on to the main episode. Alrighty, you guys, so for today's main episode, we are being serenaded by Ellie eating her dinner in the background. I don't know if you can hear her, like, crunching on her kibble, um, but she, like, literally just, like, heard me turn on the microphone and then decided to start eating loudly. Anyways, today, like I said, I'm going to be discussing performing under pressure, how to not choke, and how to essentially use the pressure to help you perform better actually and i'm gonna break this episode down into kind of like two phases because there were two to three podcasts that i learned the most from on these topics so part one i want to discuss with you guys the tangible like practical what you can actually do the weeks days and day of the big event to actually perform the best that you can under pressure And then part two, I'm going to discuss the why and like how it actually works in your brain. And I think this will actually make you feel better. It made me feel better because it explains the science and psychology behind why the way we are. Editing Connie here. I just feel like I have to clarify. I didn't describe it well. I feel like, okay, the first part of this podcast is tips from a sports performance expert guy. So he's teaching us tangible tips about about like how to train, how to get in the mode, blah, blah, blah. Part two is also like tangible tips for like what you can do there's like a lot of like good tips on how to reframe your mind and stuff like that but it's instead of from a sports performance perspective this is now with a cognitive science um psychologist or expert 
and she has like experience being an athlete but it's also more from a clinical psychology perspective i feel like this is a better way to describe the breakdown either way listen to both sections because both sections i feel like you're going to get really tangible tips on how to actually um, combat like your nerves so this information mostly comes from um, podcast number one which is from the how to exclamation mark podcast um, I think it's on like the Slack channel or something like that. Uh, it's featuring the guest is his name is Dr. Don Green. So he is get this. This is like a real job, which I think is awesome. He is a peak performance psychologist. So what that means is he's worked with Olympic athletes, um, professional musicians, actors, dancers, Wall Street traders, you name it. If the job has some aspect of pressure and like performing um, in some aspect, Dr. Don has coached them on how to perform it. So the first thing he said that you should do when you're practicing, and this was something where I was like, oh shit, like I, like I have to start writing these down. This guy knows what I need help with. Like I felt like he was speaking to me since like the, the first second that I started listening to this episode. But basically his first tip was that when you are practicing for whatever you're about to do, the first thing you do is a bunch of jumping jacks or something physical. Okay, so get the heart rate up, get the blood pumping. This will make you feel energized, right? And then you're going to go in and do your thing. You're going to play your instrument. You're going to do your little dancey dance. <laughs> you're going to practice your craft. Um, or if you're doing public speaking, you're going to pretend to do that. And you're going to do this. So for me, I'm going to like drill my teeth. Uh, f- and you're going to do this with absolute reckless abandon. Okay, do you ever just like sit down and not really give a crap and just do the thing you're supposed to be doing? Like, and sometimes you think like, oh, I should be caring more, but like right now I don't. So sometimes I get like this if I'm practicing and it's like a Saturday, it's, if I'm practicing drilling and it's like a sunny Saturday afternoon, I'm like, listen, I should just be getting points for being here. Okay, you guys are lucky I'm here. I, and I'm happy because I still have like the rest of the weekend ahead of me. So my Saturday practicing is um, very much reckless abandon. It's, it's very different from Sunday practicing, I'll, I'll admit. Sunday's a little bit more somber. But um, basically what you're going to do is you're going to pretend it's a sunny Sunday. You're just going to go to town after you did all these jumping jacks with your heart pumping. And you're going to start, you know, doing what you got to do with reckless abandon count how many times I've said that. Like, I have, like, no other way to describe it. But this is important because, uh, so Dr. Don says, you have to explore your freedom with whatever you do because when you're an expert or trying to become an expert of something, you have so much perfectionism in it, right? And this perfectionism and, well, fear of choking actually holds you back from freedom. And this freedom is important, right? Because what you want to do is by practicing all these things, practicing what you normally do, but with such reckless, energetic abandon, you loosen up. You get loosey-goosey during practice. And it trains your body and your mind on how to be loose for game day. Because that's the problem. A lot of times, like, you have to be loose on game day, but then you forget because you're like, no, this is game day. I got to be stiff and, like, you know, like, ready. But the thing is, being loose is the key. It's essentially a tactic because you gain some control. Stay with me now. You gain some control by letting go of the control and then not over-controlling because over-controlling is where you get into the problems. Over-controlling is really what choking is and it's stifling that natural state of flow that you're used to. Over-controlling is bad because over-controlling is no freedom, like I said. So I just thought that thought was really interesting. The thought that you gain control by letting go of control and then not over-controlling. It's kind of like learning to like live in that flow state and be okay with not everything being perfect, not everything being well-controlled, because that's exactly what game day is going to be like. It's, it's not going to be like, 
you know, perfect all the time. So number two, his tip was don't over practice. Don't do stuff you're not used to. So like don't practice all day if you're not used to that. You're going to burn out. But also like don't do like no practice for weeks on end because, well, then you're not really practicing, right? So a little bit every day goes a long way. Keep that in mind. Tip number three, sleep is important to why did I say it like that? Sleep. So sleep is important to optimal functioning. We know this is important, but when you're in a high stress state, it's even more important. Um, my like pharmacist brain thinks that maybe it's because too much stress is harmful because it causes like oxidative stress and oxidative effects. And so when you sleep, I'm pretty sure you like when you're sleeping, the one of the purposes to sleeping is to clear the oxidative um, like stress that happens to your brain and when it clears that it makes your brains more healthy I don't know I remember learning this at some point in pharmacy school but I don't know he said get like nine to ten hours of sleep which seems like a lot but he said like normally some people the people that got like seven to eight hours of sleep when they were like competing and they got nine to ten hours it was better I don't know I'm gonna give that a go <laughs> I'm gonna start going to bed super early and just say like I'm following his instructions but basically get more sleep take care of yourself also drink lots of water and so he said something that um, like kind of struck with me. So he was like, get your mind in a good place without worrying about the results. Because in this example where he was coaching a uh, he was coaching a concert violinist that was auditioning for a fellowship, he said, you can't audition until you can audition. So in the meantime, keep your head in a happy place, which kind of just struck me because like that's you know what bars. <laughs> Those are facts. You can't audition until you audition. I can't do my licensure exam until I do the licensure exam. You can't interview until you go in to do the interview. So it's really pointless working yourself up for no reason. And it's only going to hurt you. Like working yourself up before is not going to help you in any way. So if you want to do the best you can, then you have to stay as positive as you can, which is easier said than done. Number four, the tip he said was, realize that this is too important to take too seriously. Sometimes we equate importance to seriousness, but the thing is, they're actually not that equal. This licensure exam is really important to me, right? But if I take it too seriously, um, saying it out loud seems kind of weird because it's like thousands of dollars um, and it's for my license, but taking it too seriously to the point where it's a detriment to me is not good, obviously. So just like you have to be diligent about practicing and showing up and putting in the work, part of that is you also have to be strict with yourself and just as diligent about not overthinking it and making it bigger than it has to be. So um, Dr. Don also said like the last two weeks before something big, which is like where I am right now, it's an emotional roller coaster, which I agree with. Um, so he said watching sitcoms that make you laugh every day is really helpful because it like takes your mind off things. Um, and I think also, honestly, I feel like the power of laughter and happiness really does something to your brain. Um, okay, tip number five, the day of the audition or the big thing. You're going to feel like things are moving really fast when you get there. So before you get there, in the time that you can control... Try to move as slow as you can. Move slow, get there early, take your time, get settled. Take a like slow shower, brush your teeth slowly, get those two minutes in, right? Um, yeah. Tip number six. Okay, this is short and sweet because I want to mention it in the second part of this episode, but adrenaline is your friend. I'll go into this later, but just keep in mind, adrenaline is your friend. Number seven, this tip was kind of funny. He said, watch the movie Rambo uh, to get soldier's mentality. So basically when Dr. Don, uh, I, earlier, 
I guess he was in this sort of like training that was equivalent to like Navy SEAL training. And he said one day they had to do this training with like a ton of laps and exercise. And then right at the end when he thought he was done, they told him he had to do it all over again. And so what he learned from this was that there is actually always more reserve energy. There's always more worth holding on to. But what happened was the men that were negative about it and gave up, just obviously gave up because they couldn't keep going on like that. So he said by staying positive and not letting his thoughts go negative, that that helped him like have that soldier's mentality and fight through it the most, which kind of makes sense. So yeah, anyways, besides that, two good things to keep in mind as I lead into like the next part of this podcast, which is explaining why and how choking happens. I think it's important to note that people often think that choking and like um, under pressure is a sign that someone is like amateur hour or not as skilled at something, but it's actually kind of the opposite. Um, Choking is because of expertise in caring too much, according to Dr. Don, because you know, when you're, when you have that level of expertise, then that's when you really start becoming that perfectionist and analyzing everything, which is why he really recommends don't strive for perfection, strive for the loose sense of control, which is kind of like what we discussed earlier with the jumping jacks and the reckless abandon. That's the best way to practice loosely controlling your situation. Also, I'm kind of proud of myself because I remember earlier I had an episode about perfectionism. Uh, You guys should totally check it out if you haven't already, but I pretty sure I kind of said like the same thing I was like don't strive for perfection just strive for like excellence like there's a difference I don't know and basically I'm like the same thing as him I think basically I'm a peak performance specialist I don't know just kidding um but anyways oh and one more thing so I've spoken about this before but in case you need to hear it again don't attach what you're doing to a result just focus on the things you can control and ignore the things you can't control So, for example, you can't really control if you win a competition or, like, in my case, I can't really control if the grader decides to pass me. Like, I know that there's, like, on paper set things that will make you pass or fail, but, like, I can't control what the grader's going to mark down, right? The only thing I can control is the elements of that. Like, I can control making the margins of something look good. I can control how I hold the burr and the handpiece. I can control, you know to a certain extent extent something but I can't like worry about the mind games and what if I like all the other stuff because like that's not really worth my energy so anyways time for phase two of this podcast which is now explaining the science and I thought this was really interesting I'm someone where I like to learn the practical things first which is why I wanted to give you the tangible tips so that way if anything when you listen to this podcast you can be like got it you know what I I got like the 10 steps or whatever I just said to like how to perform under pressure now for those that like to find out the science of why after you find out what to do um now is this part of the podcast I don't know why I said it like that (laughs) basically podcast number two that I listened to that was really good is called um the podcast is called the hidden brain and the episode is titled stage fright and this is with cognitive science and um she's actually the president of Barnard the Columbia University's like sister school um, this person's name is Cian Cyan Bylock, B-E-I-L-O-K-C-K. She has a TED Talk that's like, kind of describes a lot of the things we're going to discuss today, but she wrote this book called Choke, What the Secrets of the Brain Reveal About Getting It Right When You Have To. Um, so I just think it's really interesting. She's, like I said, a cognitive scientist, but she was also a competitive athlete and played soccer at like, I think like almost an Olympic level or something like that. Like she was like really hardcore. Um, So she really knows what she's talking about. And I just think it's interesting approaching this from someone that's trained athletes to now learning about this from someone that was an athlete and is now a cognitive scientist. I just thought that these two episodes complemented each other really well. So yeah, anyways, she does a lot of research on this. And 
Reason number one why people choke, I mean, this isn't the number one reason, but this is the first reason I'm going to detail to you guys. The first reason why people choke is something called paralysis by analysis. So, for example, she gives this example a lot. You can, like, run down the stairs easily without thinking any day. Like, you have your coffee in your hand, your book bag, whatever, right? But if I told you, you have to pay attention to what your left knee is doing right now. You're essentially, like, bringing into your consciousness something that you normally don't think about, and that's when you're most likely to trip, right? So what she did was she did a study designed to make soccer players... These soccer players were split into two groups. There's a group of novice, like, newbies, and then there was a group of experts. And so these two groups had to dribble a ball around cones, and both of these groups had to pay attention to which side of their foot touched the ball. And when they looked at the results, they found that paying attention to which side of the foot that touched the ball, this like kind of arbitrary thing, it actually negatively affected the experts more than the novice, the like the newbie people. And this is because you have to realize that when you're an expert and you do something a million times, your mind is working differently than a newbie, right? A newbie is paying attention to every detail, like where the side of the foot is touching and the position of the knee and all that. The expert is just doing, right? They're used to it. So they're just... They're just used to doing their thing and not paying attention to their foot. And all of a sudden, when they're asked to pay too much attention, like more attention than they're used to, to your foot, that you normally don't, then that's when you disrupt the skill and the flow, essentially. And this is because of two types of memory. So you have type number one, which is called working memory. I've heard of this before, um, but it was just interesting learning more about this. So working memory is what celebrates experts from newbies because... Experts don't have to think about what they're actually doing, um, and they're able to focus on other things, right? Like, for for experts, working memory is not that important because they've already practiced it so much time, so many times. So instead, experts can focus on extra things, like, um, like instead of just focusing on their knee and their foot, they can use their peripheral vision to look at something on the side and, like, note when someone's coming up to them. They can note the breeze in the air, and this is what makes the experts the experts. So sometimes when you're an expert and you don't have to use working memory as often and suddenly you're in the spotlight and suddenly you're super aware of what you're doing and everyone's eyes are on you suddenly like your working memory starts getting in the way all of a sudden basically you start overthinking every move you go back to thinking like a beginner and then you question like is this even how i kick a ball like am i even on the right side of the field and this is how you choke it's because normally you're an expert doing your expert thing but then all of a sudden you get freaked out and then you go back to a beginner's level of thinking and like people always think like oh you practice a million times you're an expert but no you can like your brain can go backwards into like a beginner type state if you let your working memory take over i just thought this was really interesting to summarize basically the first type of memory working memory is it's important right it's deliberate it's essential and it helps you master something as you're learning but after a certain point once you get better you stop needing your working memory, right? You stop having to think about the foot position and the knee position. For me, I stop having to think about like my hand position or whatever. And then instead you need to know what's called procedural memory. So this second type of memory is how to start at the start and end at the end and then like let the rest in between flow. So an example of procedural memory is when you drive to work, or school. In the beginning, you're checking your iPhone, like, okay, this it, I go down this street, um, check again, then I go down this street, check again, then I go down this street. Eventually, you do it so many times that you don't even have to think about, like, this street, this street, this street. You just, like, kind of do it. Like, do you ever just, like, drive, get in the car, and then you forget how you got there, and suddenly you're there, and you're like, whoa, maybe I should have, like, remembered a little bit more driving there? Similarly, have you ever had to, like, 
drive somewhere and then one day you randomly stop and think about it and you're like wait what is the next turn and then you get really thrown off or if you have to give directions to someone and you feel like it's actually harder to remember and like recall how to give directions than to actually drive yourself it's like your body knows how to drive there but then when you're trying to actually break it down and remember step by step you forget that's because it's like disrupting this flow, right? So this flow is basically what experts um, call procedural memory. So what happens is high pressure situations just make you overthink. And when you overthink, then that's when your working memory is getting in the way, which normally is suppressed and you haven't had to use it in a while. So yeah, don't let your working memory get in the way. Reason number two why people choke is because anxiety really does change how your brain functions. So, um, so, the scientist, um, Cian, Cian, um, she did a study where she split people into two groups, people that are worried about math and people that are not worried about doing math. Um, I would be in the group that's worried about doing the math, just so you guys know. But anyways, so she split these people into two groups, right? And I think that they had to do like some types of problems that weren't math and then and then all of a sudden they got a cue that was alerting them that they were about to do a math problem. And for some reason, the cue of just even knowing that math was coming, math is on its way, started to change the brains of those who were worried about the math. And what they found was that the areas of the brain that normally handle processing pain were activated just from knowing, like getting the cue that math was coming. And then the math that they did was worse. So what happens is these scientists realized that anticipation of the pain was basically like filling up the brain. And that wasn't helping, obviously. So it's kind of like they weren't anxious because they're bad at math. They're bad at math because they were anxious about it. So instead, it's helpful to almost have like a positive anticipation if you can, because this has been proven that it's, it's been proven that it's more about the before and the anxiety of the before and the what ifs than actually doing the thing. So one way you can do this is reframe the narrative and talk to yourself in like third person as if you're talking to a friend. Because, like, we tend to ruminate and make ourselves feel, like, really bad without anything even happening. Um, so one good way is, like, if you wouldn't talk to your friend that way, don't talk to yourself that way, right? And it's also important to write down positive thoughts and affirmations and all that stuff. I know it seems fluffy to some people, but really, like, there's there's a science to it. Like, writing things down actually makes your mind, it cements it in your mind. And some people, too, recommend, like, when I was in track, um, before big, like, state meets and stuff, my coach would have us, like, sit at the track. Well, I was a jumper. So they would have me sit at the beginning of where I would do the jumping and, like, visualize everything and, like, watch videos about it. And um, this podcast actually mentioned that when you watch a video of someone doing something, it actually still activates the motor part of your brain, which I thought was really interesting because it's, like, you don't even have to do it. Just, like, you watching it, it, it helps in some way. It makes your brain, it cements something in your brain that helps you in the motor sense, which I thought was really interesting. This podcast also discussed, like, what is the solution to choking then? Like, are some people just always chokers and other people are always thrivers in high-stress situations? And the answer is actually no. Anyone at any time doing anything can choke. Um, but that's also good because then anyone at any time doing anything can learn how to thrive under pressure. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I just wrapped that. I don't know why I said it like that. Um, but anyways, it's kind of interesting because we said the problem with choking is like caring too much, right? But the solution to not choking can't be like stop caring, right? Like you have to learn how to keep caring, but like not choke. So 
The first thing you actually have to do that they recommended in this podcast was you have to replicate the performance situation. And a lot of times that's doing the stuff that you don't want to do. So for a test, it's doing the practice problems, right? Like when I used to do like math or the DAT, I was like, ugh, like reading the lectures is fine, but like I really don't feel like doing the problems. And that's because it's so much more effort, but it's so much more beneficial, right? So for me, it's drilling. It's when I'm like practicing my drilling. I can't just like walk in with my sandals on a Saturday, on a sunny Saturday and be like, oh yeah, whatever. Like I, I really should be, I, I really should be mimicking the exam. So I should be using, using new burrs every time. I should be like timing myself, setting up start to finish. Mimicking it is so crucial because essentially what you want to do is close that gap between your training and the performance time. Like once it actually comes time to do it. So number two, remember when I said earlier, like adrenaline is your friend? So one helpful tool is to reframe your physical responses from the adrenaline, like sweaty palms and fast heart rate into something positive rather than negative. I actually heard this before, like your body can't really tell the difference between a stressful state and an excited state. It just knows it's hyped up. So because these symptoms are the same, if you're worried or also excited, think of it instead as like a sign you will thrive rather than fail. Like it's a sign that you're going to perform better and like tell yourself like, oh, this beating heart is good. It's it's making me ready. I'm like ready to go. Like my fast heart, my sweaty palms, my feeling like I'm about to like poop my pants and throw up. This is good. This, this is good. We're all good. <laughs> um, No, but yeah, seriously, like think about it as a sign that you're about to put your best foot forward. I think that's easier said than done, but... Um, also, I listened to another podcast episode that this scientist was on. It was the podcast was called The School of Greatness, and the episode was titled How to Stop Choking Under Pressure. Um, and it highlights the same things I discussed, which is why I didn't really go into it. But I did find one extra nugget of advice in this. I really did a deep dive, you guys. I listened to like a lot of podcasts. I watched a lot of things because um, I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. But I found this interesting because the interviewer of this podcast, The School of Greatness, asked this scientist, which is most important? Your thoughts, your feelings, or your self-talk? I'm going to let you guys guess for a second. And so this scientist said she might be biased because she's a cognitive scientist, but she said she thinks it's self-talk because you can talk yourself into thinking like anything, like the beating heart, the scared, whatever, is happy. And you can self, and like your self-talk really does affect your thoughts and your feelings. So I just think it's interesting because I feel like a lot of our lives we learn how to do like other skills, but we don't really learn how to talk to ourselves, which is honestly like doing us a disservice. Number three, I thought this tip was really helpful and I want to try doing this. You have to remind yourself why you should succeed. So reminding yourself can look like saying, I know this material because I reviewed it X amount of times. I know I'm going to be good for this licensure exam because I practiced X amount of times. I woke up this early and I did it. And I think this is a good thing to journal and to log because no matter what, like no one can take away the time that I put into this. And that means something, right? That this is why I should succeed. Um, next. So I know I've discussed flow a couple times so far and earlier... And earlier I mentioned like what you want to do is stay in that state of flow, right? Like stay in that procedural rather than the pesky working memory. And so one way to do this is by giving your brain unimportant things to do just to keep the working memory part occupied. So you can count backwards, sing a song, like do something deliberate and simple just to get your mind like calmed down and to get the working memory kind of like situated, you know? Another way to do this is focus on super slow and deep breathing. This kind of redirects your working memory to something that like other than like what you're actually doing and this calms down your body some people also like athletes i heard like distract themselves right before with like a puzzle or an article which i thought was interesting like reading something um and last two things something interesting i learned was that when you learn something early in childhood 
it's actually like learning it differently and you're less likely to choke because children learn activities differently they learn it in a more automatic fashion so like when you're in high school learning spanish you're like a bit older you're putting a sentence together like word by word right Whereas when you're, like, learning Spanish as, like, a child, if it's, like, you're just learning the language, you're kind of just, like, learning the language, right? And so learning in this sense when you're younger as a child, it protects you from being able to, like, unpackage everything into steps, which I just thought was interesting. And something else worth noting. So when this particular scientist said she did really bad on a chemistry test in college one time, she said that she immediately didn't think, like, oh, I prepared in the wrong way, which she later realized was the root of the problem. But instead, she immediately thought, instead... I don't belong at that school, I'm not good enough, that kind of stuff. And I think that's a feeling that we can all really relate to. And this just highlights that whatever is happening inside our heads is affected to some extent by the environment that we're in. So we react differently if we feel safe in an environment and not judged because it changes your attitude to how you perceive threats or like if you perceive something as a threat. So I don't know, it just makes me wish... Like, I wish my, they were so strict on us first year of dental school and operative, which is where you learn how to, like, drill a tooth and do a filling. And I just wish that they were less harsh on us on certain things because it just programmed my mind early on to think of competencies as, like, these huge stressful things. And it just made me question my abilities so early on in such an unproductive way that, like, I'm still seeing, like, seep into my life now. Not so much with real patients because I drill fine on real teeth, but it's more like with fake teeth in this type of simulated situation, like, I feel literally, like, trauma from my first year. And, yeah, so anyways, not that any of them are listening, but I just wish it was slightly less traumatic. Anyways, I know I sound whiny, but just let me then. So yeah, environment has a big effect on how we feel about ourselves. So I just thought this was interesting because when you think of like what they call it the cognitive load, but when you think of the cognitive load of being a first generation student or an international student, when you already feel like you don't belong or fit in with a certain group, it probably has such a huge effect on you. Like it makes me think both of my parents were immigrants. Um, and my sister was an immigrant also and it just makes me think about like how much more they had to go through by feeling so different i also felt different obviously i mean i grew up in like a very predominantly white place and i was like usually like the only asian kid in my class um but i think it's different because i was also like raised i I was born in america so this is kind of all i've ever known whereas they like had a life where they were like used to being like with other people that spoke their language and looked like them and they felt comfortable and then they like completely uprooted their lives and had to start over somewhere new where they felt different and they probably missed how things were and you know all that stuff so yeah it just made me think about that so anyways that's what i wanted to share about performing under pressure i know it was a mishmash of things but I think I feel better about my licensure exam coming up now because even just knowing all this information now, like now that I understand the psychology of like why this happens and how to fight it, I feel so much less helpless about it. Like I feel like empowered and I feel more accepting of what it is and what it will be. And yeah, now I kind of just feel like, uh, well, I know this is like false, but I kind of feel like regardless of how I do on this thing, I feel better just like knowing this info because deep down, I think a part of me was putting too much pressure on this one event because like since I told you like fake teeth since my first year of dental school has always made me nervous. I think I put too much pressure on this and like dramatized this event in my head. Like I was like, this is my final like video game character challenge. Like, this is my final boss and this is my greatest fears all in one very expensive challenge. Um, and now that I've learned about this and I've unpacked it and I've had time to like reflect in an out of body way by trying to help you guys, I realized like, 
what I always knew, but I really hear now, like, this is just another challenge. There were challenges before this, and there's going to be challenges after. Like, now I just feel more at peace, and I'm able to realize the problem with this all along was just how I was subconsciously, like, dramatizing this in, like, a hero story kind of way, and yeah, I don't know. If any of you guys are struggling out there with anything, if any of you guys are taking CDCA, or... I don't know, everyone has something coming up in life, right? Whether it's like an interview or a uh, public speaking event or a competency or a board exam, just know you got this. Follow all of the above steps that I just mentioned. And yeah, let me know if this episode helped you out at all. We are in a review drought, my friends. Just kidding. Thank you so much to everyone that has left reviews, but um, it, it would be nice to get another review maybe. So if someone could please leave a review, thank you. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I'll see you guys next week. Bye!